Section 9 of Birds and All Nature, Volume 5, Number 3, March 1899. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Little Busybodies, Bell P. Downey. One's own observation tends to confirm the wonderful stories told by naturalists about ants. They have a claim to rank next to man in intelligence. Seven or eight ants once attempted to carry a wasp across the floor. In the course of the journey they came to a crevice in a plank caused by a splinter which had been torn off. After repeated attempts to cross the deep ravine, all the ants abandoned the task as hopeless, except one, who seemed to be the leader of the enterprise. He went on a tour of investigation and soon found that the crevice did not extend very far in length. He then went after the retreated ants. They obeyed the summons and returned, when all set about helping to draw the wasp around the crevice. This little incident proves the ant is possessed of the power of communicating its wishes to others. Ants have been seen to bite off the legs of a cockroach in order to get it into the narrow door of their nest. The brain of ants is larger in proportion to their size than that of any other insect. Naturalists think that they have memory, judgment, experience, and feel hatred and affection for their kind. They are valorous, pugnacious, and rapacious, but also inclined to be helpful as they assist each other at their toilet. They have a peculiarity among insects of burying their dead. It is a curious fact that the red ants, which are the masters, never deposit their dead by the side of their black slaves, thus seeming to show some idea of caste. Ants yawn, sleep, play, work, practice gymnastics, and are fond of pets, such as small beetles, crickets, and cockeye, which they entertain as guests in their homes. Indeed, ants are social, civilized, intelligent citizens of successfully governed cities. Even babies are claimed by the state. Their government is a happy democracy where the queen is mother, but not ruler, and where the females have all the power. The queen is highly honored, and at death is buried with magnificence. In her devotion to her lot in life, she pulls off her glittering wings and becomes a willing prisoner in the best room of a house of many apartments. Here she is cared for by devoted followers who polish her eggs carry them upward to the warmth of the sun in daytime, and back to the depths of the habitation to protect them from the chill of night. These eggs are so small as scarcely to be seen by the eye alone. They are bright and smooth, without any division. It is very strange, but these eggs will not develop into larvae unless carefully nursed. This is effected by licking the surface of the eggs. Under the influence of this process they mature and produce larvae. The larvae are fed, like young birds, from the mouths of the nurses. When grown, they spin cocoons, and at the proper time, the nurses help them out by biting the cases. The next thing the nurses do is help them take off their little membranous shirts. This is done very gently. The youngsters are then washed, brushed, and fed, after which the teachers educate them as to their proper duties. It is astonishing how many occupations are followed by these little busybodies, whose size and weakness are made up for by their swiftness, their fineness of touch, 
the number of their eyes, and a powerful acid which they use in self-defense. Their jaws are so much like teeth that they serve for cutting, while their antennae are useful for measurement, and their front feet serve as trowels with which to mix and spread mortar. Ants may be said to have the following occupations, housewives, nurses, teachers, spinners, menials, marauders, soldiers, undertakers, hunters, gardeners, agriculturalists, architects, sculptors, road-makers, mineralogists, and gold-miners. Ants keep cows, the aphids, for which they sometimes build stables and place in separate stalls from the cocci, which they also use. They make granaries where they store ant rice. If the grain begins to sprout, they are wise enough to cut off the sprout. If it gets wet, they have often been seen carrying it up to the sunshine to dry and thus prevent sprouting. The honey ant is herself a storehouse of food in case of famine. This kind of ant has a distension of the abdomen in which honey is stored by the workers for cases of need. They inject the honey into the mouth of the ant. When it is needed, she forces it up to her lips by means of the muscles of the abdomen. It is said that the Mexicans like to culture honey ants and eat the honey themselves. The leaf-cutting ant is the gardener. It is devoted to growing mushrooms, or at least a kind of fungi of which it is fond. This accounts for the beds of leaves it carries to its nest, on which the fungi develop. The Roman naturalist Pliny gives an account of some ants in India which extract gold from mines during the winter. In the summer, when they retire to their holes to escape the heat, the people steal their gold. McCook has found that we have ants who are mineralogists, as they cover their hill with small stones, bits of fossils and minerals, for which they go down like miners more than a yard deep into the earth. That some kind of ants are architects has clearly been proven, for an observer saw an ant architect order his workmen to alter a defective arch, which they did, apparently to suit his views of how arches should be constructed. The ants who act as sculptors work in wood. The red ants of the forest build storied houses and trees with pillars for support. There is a little brown ant which makes a house forty stories high. Half the rooms are below ground. These are pillars, buttresses, galleries, and various rooms with arched roofs. This ant works in clay. If her material becomes too dry, she is compelled to wait for moisture. The blind ant is a remarkable builder. She makes long galleries above ground. She does not use cement as some ants do, so she builds rapidly and her structure is flimsy. The Saiva ants of Brazil are skillful masons. They construct chambers as large as a man's head that have immense domes and outlets seventy yards long. The Brazilians say that the Indians, in cases of wounds, when it was necessary to close them as with stitching, used the jaws of the Saiva ant. The ant was seized by the body and placed so that the mandibles were one on each side of the cut. Then, when pressed against the flesh, the ant would close the mandibles and unite the two sides of the cut as firmly as a good stitch would do. A quick twist of the ant's body separated it from the head. After a few days, the heads were removed with a knife and the operation was complete. 
in view of this we are tempted to say that ants are also surgeons but die themselves instead of having their patients do so a friend who has lived long in brazil tells me that the saiva ants are so large the nuns in the convents use their bodies to dress as dolls making them represent soldiers brides and grooms and so forth one species of ants do nothing except capture slaves these are not able to make their own nests to feed their larvae or even to feed themselves but are so helpless that they would die if neglected by their servants there are three species that keep slaves but these are not the only ones who go to war as the usually peaceful agricultural ants sometimes get short of seed and go forth to plunder each other's nests it is stated that a thousand species of ants are known no doubt there is much of interest about each kind the driver ant is so choice of time and labor that when building its covered roads if a crevice in a rock or a shady walk is reached it utilizes these then continues arching its path as before if a flood comes these ants form into large balls with the weak ones in the middle the stronger on the outside and so swim on the water the ant benefits man by acting as a scavenger by turning up the subsoil and in various other ways but flowers prefer the visits of moths and butterflies as ants are of no service to them in scattering pollen they do not wish them to get their honey some of the flowers have found out that ants though so industrious by reputation are lazy about getting out early in the morning for they dislike the dew very much hence by nine o'clock these wary flowers have closed their doors others take the precaution to baffle ant visitors by holding an extra quantity of dew on the basins of their leaves while still others exude a sticky fluid from their stems which glues the poor ants to the spot campanula secretes her honey in a box with a lid cyclamen presents curved surfaces while narcissus makes her tube top narrow other flowers have hooks and hairs by which the ants are warned to seek their honey elsewhere. End of section 9